Hey there, and thanks for tuning in to a message from New King Church. We're a church located in South Burlington, Vermont, and our prayer is that this resource would help you find and follow Jesus. If you want to know more about our church and the ministries we have, check us out at newkingchurch.com. Good morning. Um, I'm Valerie, and today I'll be reading from the book of John, chapter 4, verses 4 through 18. When I finish reading, I'll say, this is the word of the Lord, and if you could respond with thanks be to God, that'd be great. And he, Jesus, had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where will you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Morning, everyone. Welcome to New King. Oh, there I am. Glad you're here this morning. Uh, my name is Eric. I'm one of the pastors here at New King. And uh, if you're visiting here today, maybe for the first time, or maybe you were here last week, um, what we normally do at New King is we preach through um, books of the Bible. So we had a whole series through uh, Matthew's Gospel, and then we went to uh, 1 Timothy, then to 2 Timothy, and currently we're in the book of Genesis, but we set that aside for a little bit, and what we're doing right now is we're doing three sermons on New King's identity, who we are, what makes us tick, what's our DNA, what are we all about, And so we're doing these three sermons. This is the middle one. And then we're going into Advent season, right? And then in January, we're going to get back to Genesis, the life of Joseph. So that's kind of where we are. And so last week, uh, Ben, Ben, you're in the front row. You're in the spit zone. If you could pass Kleenex up this way so he can wipe off 
That would be really good because I get excited. So last week, Ben uh, preached on our mission statement, a very simple mission statement, that we are here as a church to help as many people find and follow Jesus. Find Jesus through the gospel, yeah? Follow Jesus through discipleship. Simple as that. You can't get any simpler than that. Find and follow Jesus. That's why we exist. That's what we're here for. That's what we're here to do in the greater Burlington area in Vermont, okay? Along with that mission statement, we have four simple values. The first is Jesus. The second is hospitality. The third is depth. And the fourth is multiplication. Today, I am going to speak to you about those first two, Jesus and hospitality. And you may think, hospitality, how does that fit in there? Well, that's my job today, to to start with Jesus, but to bring in the hospitality side of it. So that's what I'm going to preach on, and I've picked this story of the woman of the well. You know, I could actually preach the mission statement and all four values from this passage, but I'm just going to look at the two values, Jesus and hospitality. So let me pray for God's help, and then we'll jump right in. Uh, Father God, help me this morning to preach the word, uh, to speak clearly about your son, Jesus, who he is and what he's done. Father, help me with that. Give me your spirit to do that. Give me power to do that. Give me uh, a clear mind to do that. Take away my nerves, Father. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So two values. Value number one, Jesus. Value number two, hospitality. We put Jesus first. That in everything, he might have the preeminence. And I could give you this sermon by going through and telling you facts about Jesus. But I'm not going to do that. I'm going to start with a, with a story. Uh, Tim, you were on my mind a lot this week because you often say to me, you often say to me, Eric, you're a storyteller and you tell stories. And uh, I appreciate that. So I, I want to start with a, a little story. Uh, and it's about a woman. And um, her name was, uh, was Sam. She was, she was named after her father. Her father's name was Sam, and, and they had a little girl, and they named her uh, Samantha. So uh, that's how the story starts. And, and, oh, you know, I've got one daughter, and there's something about the father-daughter relationship that's just special. I've got three boys after that, and man, I love my boys. And we have destroyed the house multiple times, playing football in the house and all that goes with that. But there's something about a father-daughter relationship. And, and this girl, named after her father, Sam, uh, Sammy, they had a really special relationship. And uh, they did everything together, and she just loved to be with him. And then um, when she was... Uh, About 14, she came home from school one day, and her dad's car was parked in the driveway of the house, which was a little unusual. And she came in, and her dad was there, and uh, he looked at her, and he said, Sammy, I love you, but your mom's not making me happy, and I found somebody else that does make me happy, and 
mom and I are getting a divorce, and um, I'm going to move to another state. It's not about you. I love you. It's about the relationship with the mom. And I'm sorry. And Sammy's life was over at that point. She was devastated. Her father moved away. She, she kept one of his t-shirts because it smelled like him. And she would sleep with it, right? Because she could smell his aftershave. And it just... And she, she was on the soccer team, and she was pretty good, and she quit soccer. And she just went into a shell of herself. And everybody saw it, and people reached out to it, but her dad was gone, the one that meant everything to her. And it was just, it was just devastating. And then her sophomore summer, she was in the grocery store, and uh, the coach of the high school soccer team saw her and said, Sammy, how come you're not playing? Why don't you play soccer with us? We need you. Our team stinks, but we need people to come. And, and listen, uh, preseason is starting in a couple of weeks. Why don't, give me your phone number. I'll text you and, and, you know, play for us. We need you. And he took her number, and as he was typing the number into her phone, he could smell his aftershave. And so she started playing for the team, and the team stunk, and Sammy got a starting job, and in the first game, they were down (laughs) nine to nothing, and there was about two minutes left, and the other team had put in uh, all their subs, their second string, and third string were in there, and... and, uh, Game was winding down, and Sammy was playing, and uh, when you know it, she got a little breakaway, and she scored a goal. So they didn't have to suffer the defeat of a shutout. And the whole team started cheering for her. Sammy! 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 And she couldn't believe it. It felt so good to have that. And then all of a sudden, she heard a strong male voice over the others calling her name, Sammy, and she said, my dad's here. My dad's come. And she looked and her heart stopped. It was the coach. It was his strong male voice coming over. And he hugged her after the game and, and they talked a little bit and he said, listen, why don't I give you a ride home? She got in the car with him and as they were driving home, uh, they were talking and chatting about the game and it felt so good and he could, she could smell his aftershave and oh, it felt so good to be with someone like this. And then she felt a hand on her thigh. And that's how it started. And the affair went on for about a month and he would give her rides home and there was always a reason to stay late. And she felt shame about it. But on the other hand, it felt good to feel his eyes on her. And one morning she went into school and she was stopped as she came in, come to the principal's office, and she opened the door and there was the principal and the athletic director and the coach. The coach's wife had found a few texts and had called the school and 
it all came out. And the first thing the principal said was, why did you do this to us? And then he called her a name. And the coach looked at her and said, you're not going to destroy my marriage. And then he repeated the name. And she was kicked off the team, of course, and suspended from school. And the coach had to step down for the remainder of the season. And uh, her team hated her. How could you do this to us? And it got out, and the townspeople hated her. And pretty soon there was a name written on her locker, and pretty soon that name appeared on her car after school one day. And it was awful. And that's how the cycle began in her life. And she's in her late 20s now, and she can count five married men she's been with, one after another. They gave her some attention, the attention that she craved, that she longed for from an older man, and then they took advantage of her. And it was awful. And now she was with six. And then one day she got up and she had to get water at a well. And she knew she couldn't go in the morning because the other women would be there and they would call her names and they would spit her in her water vessel. So she went at noontime. And she showed up there in the heat of the day and she noticed there was a man sitting on a stone right by the well. And she said, this is kind of odd, middle of the day. Oh, wait a minute. I know why he's here. He must have heard about me. He must know my reputation. I know what he's here for. And so she went up to him and they began a conversation. Well, you now know who the woman at the well was and what she felt like and what she endured. See, she was, she was looking for something. She hadn't found it yet. And so let's pick up the story in John 4. In verse uh, 4, it says, Jesus had to pass through Samaria. He was on his way to Galilee. He had some business, and it said he had to pass through there. Well, he didn't really have to pass through Samaria. Most of the Jewish people would walk around. They would take the longer route around Samaria because, you see, the Jews and the Samaritans hated each other. It's a long story, but they felt that they could not have anything in common. There were barriers there. There, was, there were ethnic barriers and there were religious barriers. The Samaritans were unclean and impure in the eyes of the Jews. But Jesus went through Samaria. Why? Why did he do it? I think because he had an appointment there with a woman. And he goes uh, to Sychar, verse 5 and 6 says, 
He came to the town of Samaria called Sychar near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. And it was about the six hours, noontime. And so he's sitting there, he's tired. He's, he's hungry, it says that the disciples had gone to, to buy food. And he's thirsty. And a woman comes. Verse 7, a woman from Samaria came to drink water, or draw water. Jesus said to her, give, give me a drink. And she, she's incredulous. She, she can't believe it. I don't know exactly what happened here, but I can imagine Jesus looking her in the eye, not looking at her body, not giving her the once-over, but looking her full in the face and saying, give me a drink. And there was something different about him. And she's incredulous. She can't believe it. She says, how, verse 9, the Samaritan woman said to him, her name is Sammy, by the way. <laughs> how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For the Jews, as John points out, have no dealings with the Samaritans. It wasn't just no dealings. They hated each other. They despised each other. And so the woman, he can't believe, he, he looked her full in the face. He spoke to her, and he says, give me a drink. Can't believe it. So first of all, you must know in that culture that men and women didn't have these type of conversations. Man alone, a woman alone, they just wouldn't recognize you. They wouldn't have a conversation like this. And then on top of it, this was a Samaritan, the hated Samaritan. So she can't believe that this man is speaking to her. And she calls him out. And Jesus answers in verse 10, and he says, uh, it's kind of interesting what he answers. He says, uh, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. So Jesus takes this opportunity, as Jesus almost always does, to talk about something a little deeper than a bucket of water from the well. But he uses that as a springboard to talk. He starts with a teaser, if you will. And he says, if you knew, and the first thing he says, if you knew the gift of God. A gift. Now, this woman probably didn't really have true gifts. Everything she was given was probably transactional. It was probably a gift given in exchange for something else. Even the whole religious society of the day was meant to show that you, you earned your relationship with God by what you did. 
And so Jesus starts out, if you knew the gift, and then he says, and if you knew who I am, if you knew the gift, if you knew me, if you knew the gift, if you knew who I am, you would have asked me for something, for living water. And so this term living water, Jesus is going to use it as a metaphor, but it's based upon the physical water there. And, and living water is water that has vitality. It's, it's spring water. So she had come to a well, and down way under there, the well is deep, we know that a little further on, the well is deep. It's kind of flat water, and there's a, some kind of a subterranean cavern down there, and you bring it up, and it's probably fairly cool, and it's okay, but living water. Living water is spring water. Living water is moving water. Living water has life. Annette and I do a lot of hiking, a lot of backpacking, and, you know, we have a little water pump, and you get to a, a place, and there's kind of a puddle, and it's like, yeah, I guess we got a pump here, and you drink it, and you look, and you get it, you pump it, and you look at your bottle, and it's got a shade to it, and you drink it, and yeah, it's okay, but then you come to a mountain stream, and you pump from that stream, and you hold the bottle up, and it's still bubbling. And it's clear and it's cold and you take a drink from that and you can hike for five more miles. Jesus says, I have living water. I have water with vitality. So he throws out this teaser and the woman, of course, like everybody in John's gospel, she doesn't get it. She's thinking the physical. Jesus is talking about the spiritual and of course she doesn't get it. Verse 11, the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. So she's, she's saying, okay, uh, what's going on here? Tell, tell me more about this, about this water. If there's water bubbling up around here, don't you think we'd know about it? Let's, let's talk about this. And then in verse 13, Jesus says, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up into eternal life. So Jesus draws a sharp contrast between the well water and this living water. First of all, he says, the, the, the well water, it, it will quench your thirst for a moment. But the living water, you'll never be thirsty again. And this whole idea of water, if you think about it, in an arid country, water meant everything. Water meant everything. You can go quite a few days without food, but you can't go more than a couple days without water. And when you die of thirst, every cell in your body is screaming for water. It's a terrible thing. And people in that area, 
had probably seen people die of thirst before. They probably witnessed it. And every town, every place was built around water, a source of water. It was the life of the town. It was the life of the people. And so for Jesus to use this is just, is just profound. And so he says, you're thirsty. I have water to give you in which you'll never be thirsty again. And it's like spring water. Once you get a taste of it, it will well up inside you. It will bubble over like spring water. You know, you, you read in the Old Testament about wells, and they filled wells in, right? You've, if you read the Old Testament, they dig wells, and somebody else fills them in. You can't fill in a spring. It has a life. Of, it has an energy. It has a power. It, has, it will bubble up. You can't stand on it and dump enough dirt in to fill it in. That's a spring. That's what Jesus is talking about. You see it, right? And then Jesus, oh, oh, then the woman says, okay, verse 15, the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so I'll not be thirsty and have to come here to draw water. She's still seeing the physical. She says, yeah, I want that. I won't have to come here. I won't have to come here in the heat of the day. I won't have to come in the morning and face the shame. Yeah, yeah, give me some of that. So, man, she's on to it. And then Jesus completely changes the subject. It's like you're on an airplane and you're talking to somebody. There's somebody in the seat beside you and you're telling about your testimony, telling about Jesus. You said, man, I go to this church and, and there's this old guy that talks there. He goes on and on and on, but he talks about Jesus and here's who Jesus is. Do you want to know more about Jesus? And the person beside you says, yes, tell me more. And then you said, man, this air, airplane food is kind of rotten, isn't it? He changes the subject. Look at it. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. And the woman answers. And you can imagine she probably blushes. She's been holding this man's gaze. She probably now looks away. And she says, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have five husbands. And the one you now have is not your husband. What you said is true. And it all comes out. It all comes out. What's Jesus doing? He's not changing the subject at all. He's, Jesus is saying to her, okay, let's start with the basics. Your whole life, you've been longing for something. Your soul has been longing for it. Every cell in your body has been longing for it. You've been longing for a relationship, a restored relationship. Your soul craves something, Jesus is saying, and I have it. Your whole life has been going from man to man to man. And you think you're getting satisfaction there. And you know you're not. You know it just as well as I know it. Jesus says, I have something different to give you. 
I have something that will satisfy you forever in a way that you'll never be thirsty again. You'll never crave it again because I will satisfy it. So he's not changing the subject at all. He's going down to her deepest longings. And what does Sammy do? She says, let's talk about religion. Let's talk about where to go to church. And she's kind of convicted a little bit maybe, and she changes the subject a little bit. I perceive you're a prophet, verse 19. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is a place where people ought to worship. And so he says, where do I, she says, where do I go to church? And Jesus replies, woman, believe me, The hour is coming where neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. And he goes on and talks about something very new. He says, verse 23, but the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Jesus describes this new paradigm where you worship in spirit and truth. It's not about the place. It's not about the physical location. It's about worshiping him in spirit because God is spirit. And then she says in verse 25, she gets it now. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ. She says, I know there's someone that's coming. I know the anointed one, the Messiah, the the promised one is coming. And then Jesus replies in verse 26, that's me. Jesus said, I'm the promised one. I'm the one you've been waiting for your entire life. I'm the one you've been searching for. I'm the one you've been seeking. I am the one that is going to make everything right for you. I am going to satisfy you in a way where you'll never thirst again. In fact, you're going to bubble up. And that water is going to overflow out of your life. He is the Messiah. And the result is quite interesting. If you look down in verse uh, 28, it says, The woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me all I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of the town and were coming to him. Come see a man who told me all I ever did. She leaves her water pot. She drops it right there. And she runs back to town not slink, not with her head down, not with not wanting to acknowledge who she is. All of a sudden, she has a testimony. I met a man who told me all I ever did. All the affairs, all the shame. And not only did he not leave me, He knew it and he loved me. 
Is not this the promised one? Is not this the one that's going to come that we've been waiting for our whole lives? And her shame is turned into a powerful testimony. And the people in town come running. They want to be near this guy as well. You see, the living water that she had drunk was now bubbling up inside her. We see her transformation before our eyes. The townspeople can't believe it. It's so profound, they come running. And the whole village is changed. Jesus is now everything to her. He's changed her life. She drops her water pot, and that's all she can talk about. Come see a man. And that's why Jesus is our first value. That's why he comes first. Because he changes our lives. He knows everything that we have done. Every act we've committed. Every rotten thought we've thought. And he comes to us. In spite of it. And he says, come to me. I have water for you to drink. Your whole life you've been searching for something. I am the answer. One more quick story. Back around 1990, I know most of you weren't living at that time, I hosted a little radio program uh, called Focus on Faith, and I would uh, interview area Christians about their faith to see what God was doing. And uh, this one time, uh, uh, somebody recommended me this, this woman to come, and she said she's vibrant, she loves Jesus, she wants to come and talk, and I said, okay, I'll meet you at the radio station, and we'll record it. So I'm waiting there for her, and I hear the sound of a motorcycle. And in she comes, and I look out, and she's taken off her helmet, and she shakes her hair out, and she's got a big mane of hair, she's all dressed in leather, And I'm like, oh boy, this is going to be interesting. So in she comes, and I introduce myself, and we start talking, and oh my word, she is vibrant for Jesus. She loves Jesus. And we talk about what God is doing in her life, and we get close to the end, and I said, listen, we've got five more minutes. Tell me the one thing that you want to share with our little audience of, you know, four people that listen to my program. And she said, here's one I want to tell everybody. Every man in my life has taken advantage of me because of how I look. Every man has wanted something from me. And when I give it to them, they've left. But there's one man that I met two years ago. And she said, there's a verse in Hebrews 13. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. And I want to tell everybody, if you come to this man, if you see this man, if you embrace this man, he will never leave you or forsake you. And it was powerful. That's why Jesus is first. He loves us in spite of ourselves. His desire is restoration in our lives. His desire 
is to give us a drink of living water. That's who he is. And so hospitality. What about hospitality? The second value that we have. Listen, I'm just going to break it down into the simplest terms that I can tell you. Definition, hospitality, to see someone and to go to them. To see someone, to truly see. She was there. She came to that well and Jesus saw her. To see somebody where they are in spite of what they look like, how they're dressed, how they act, and to cross the barrier and to go to them. Jesus broke down four barriers when he talked to this woman. There was the barrier of the, uh, the ethnic barrier. There was a religious barrier. There was a gender barrier. There was a social barrier because of the shame that came out. Jesus crossed all of them. He saw somebody, and he went to them with kindness. That's what hospitality is. That's exactly what it is to see them. Verse 27, there's a funny little verse here. I, I wanna, I'm almost done. I wanna, there's a funny little verse. Just then it says, his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So they all come back. They've got their food. They've got the grocery bags, right? They've got all their stuff. They've gone to wealthy living or wherever they've gone. They've gotten their food, Costco. They, and they come back to Jesus. And there's Jesus talking with this woman. And they marvel. What, what are they doing? What are they saying? You know what they're saying? They don't interrupt him. They're saying, there he goes again. That's our Jesus. He's talking with a woman. Don't interrupt him, man. The conversation is probably going on here. This is who he is. And isn't it marvelous? See, hospitality is seeing someone not letting the barriers get in the way, going to them, talking to them, giving them value and and respect. It's not just in your home. Yes, invite people over for dinner. Invite your neighbor over. Don't just invite your Christian friends over. Reach out to the people around you. Be hospitable. But hospitality is the fabric of your life. See, you are here as a Christian to bring Jesus to other people. And if you go into the grocery store and stick your card in and are mad and, man, that costs a lot and are want, that's not bringing Jesus. Every single interaction that you have is an opportunity to show kindness and the love of Jesus to somebody else. We're called to love our neighbor. Who is our neighbor? Everybody we come in contact with. I don't care what religion they are. I don't care what gender they identify with. I don't care what they look like. I don't care what they dress like. We are called to love our neighbor, and we better do it. This is hospitality, to say it in another way. It's seeing them. It's crossing the barriers. And it's engaging them. 
here on Sunday morning, when you leave, at your home. That's why it's the second value of new king. We bring Jesus wherever we go. Not just on Sunday morning. We bring him everywhere. Why? Don't you see? The two values go together. If Jesus is our everything, if he has truly given us living water to drink, and if that water is bubbling up, why can't, we can't help but share it with those around us. If we've been refreshed by Jesus, we should bring refreshment with us. Bring the refreshments wherever you go. Who's bringing refreshments? We're all bringing refreshments. And it's cold and it's clear and it's pure. And it gives life. One more thing. And it's time to close. John's gospel, if you read through it, uses metaphors again and again and again. And water is one of them. It's just used again and again. And uh, here's one. The living water. Jesus is the living water. But there's one more. And it's not really a metaphor. It's something, it's something physical that speaks about something else. Um, we don't have it up here, but over in, in, in John 19, we come to the cross. My wife uh, and I were talking a couple weeks ago, and she said she just listened to a Tim Keller sermon on the woman at the well. And I said, tell me about it. And uh, she kind of she choked up. And my wife has this way when she chokes up, she, she kind of does this with her hand. And, she, and I look over and the tears are streaming down and she's doing this. And I said, well, what did he say? He said, well, he was talking about the woman at the well. And then, of course, Tim Keller in his wonderful way, he went to the cross, which he always does. And he read... Verse 19, or chapter 19, verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. I didn't listen to it, but, but Tim Keller apparently said, and this is true, you see what's going on. Jesus suffered thirst. Every cell in his body was crying out for water. And he suffered that so that you might have a drink of living water. Tim Keller. But there's one more, too. I don't think Tim went to this. A little further. If you read just a little further in John 19, Jesus has, has died. And then in verse 34 it says, But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. You ever wonder about that water? Why was there water? Medical doctors have talked about that and have all kinds of theories about where the water came from. I, I, I don't really know. The blood drains out. Blood that cleanses us and welcomes us into the new covenant. 
But water? Then I remembered my storytelling. And you know, the Bible is, is one big story with common themes right from the beginning to the end. And all the way back in the book of Exodus, in chapter 17, the people are in the wilderness, and guess what? They're thirsty. And they go to Moses and they said, we're going to die of thirst out here. Give us something to drink. And Moses goes to God and said, the people are grumbling. And God says, yeah, tell them to come to me. And then the amazing thing about that story is God goes and stands on a rock. And he stands before the people. And he says to Moses, strike the rock. And what came out? Water gushes out. And 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says, and that rock was Christ. The spear goes in, blood and water come out. The rock has been struck. See, this is our Jesus. He suffered thirst so that we might drink. This is Jesus. His side was pierced with a spear and out came out cleansing blood and water. And you and I have the opportunity to drink. Jesus and hospitality. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for these verses about our Savior Jesus. I pray that each of us this morning would get a better understanding of this story of the woman of the well, but more importantly, a better understanding of your son Jesus, all that he took on, all that he suffered, so that we might drink from the living water and then bubble up as it courses from us into other people. Help us to do that, Father. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.